Boom. What's up, y'all? My name is Ian Edwards, not Aaron Brungard. Welcome to the <laughs> Soccer Comic Rant. Aaron is just whose uh, account I've hijacked to do this podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're listening on iTunes, Omni Studio, Spotify, or wherever you're listening, uh, rate the podcast. We'd appreciate that. Also, let's just get into what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, United 2 leads to we're going to be talking about the super league we're going to talk about man city being uh accused of 115 uh like uh rule breaks and uh that happened like right after we uploaded the last podcast so we haven't had a chance to really talk about that and you know the premier league is on this week again mm. there's no major games but there's a lot of big mid like medium big medium games so we're going to talk about that uh if you're watching on youtube like subscribe and comment and we'll get back to you and our guest for today slash co-host is neil shakobati stand-up comic chelsea fan and he's playing west ham <laughs> this weekend and it's going to be an exciting to see what the lineup for Chelsea is going to be this week. I think that's going to be the fun thing every weekend coming up. I mean, that one hour before the game when the lineup's released, but kickoff hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet, that's the best time of any Chelsea fans. <laughs> week nowadays, like, because we know when the when, when the real football starts, there's very little confidence in things going right. Hilarious. It's like, it's like <laughs> did I pick the right lotto numbers? Did I pick the team that Potter <laughs> picked? Pick? Like, yeah. there's that there's that game to be won before like yeah. I, am I a better manager than Potter like let's yeah. play that game but uh, I guess one of the things I want to get into first is the leads to Man United 2 because I want to use that to slide into what little I know about the Manchester United being up for sale which is mm. another football topic that's going and then you can jump in with what you know yeah. Uh, so leads to Manchester United too. We didn't win. We dropped points. But again, you know, I I'm always on all the Man United like fan YouTube mm-hmm. pages, and I and I and I love them. No, there's mm-hmm. flaws in all of them. There's flaws in ours, but for the most part, I love them. But there was this overriding lack of respect on all the forums for Leeds because they, some of them don't watch Leeds. They're like, ah, Leeds can't be that good. They're at the bottom of the table. You know, they're hovering around the relegation zones. Yeah. But there's different types of teams that hover around the relegation zone. Some teams just suck. They ain't got no forwards. They ain't got no midfield. They ain't got no defense. and there's the teams that, depending on the, what part of the season you're at, they were actually decent, but the results haven't gone their way, and they've mm. given up. Mm. And then there's the other team. One of the other types of other teams is, depending on the time of the season, they've played hard, mm. but they haven't put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah. it's just a matter of time when they are going to start putting the ball in the back of the net and they haven't given up 
and that's Leeds. Like the firing of Jesse Marsh didn't make sense to me because the team was still playing for him. And mm. that's the sign of a good coach. Like to get a team to play hard for you when you're winning, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's probably easier. Or maybe not because people could get real comfortable. But it's, mm. I feel like there's a, a parallel level of degree of difficulty for both. But when you're losing and not getting the results you want all the time and to keep your players like still interested in what you're saying is a skill level that Jesse Marsh has exhibited. And I don't think you should be in a rush to get rid of that type of ability on your sidelines. So the fact that Leeds are hovering around the bottom of the table, Manchester United fans, it doesn't mean they suck. Like I watch Leeds mm. and uh, I watch Leeds because they have two American players, now three since the transfer window, and they had an American coach. And I have a vested interest in soccer in the United States. And if a United States soccer coach succeeds in the Premier League, then soccer in America wins. And I want soccer to win everywhere. So that's why I always watch Leeds. And that's why I knew this match would be dangerous. Like, the Leeds is not a game. They give the full effort. So for people who were shocked that Leeds came out pressing us and got the ball from us and scored early, I wasn't shocked. Because this is not Bielsa's Leeds. This is like Jesse Marsh's Leeds. And the problem with Leeds is, throughout the season, is they start games strong most of the time because they know where their strength mm -hmm. is but mm -hmm. they kind of wither out you know towards the end of a 90 minute game because it's a lot of energy that they expend and that's when their defensive frailties uh open mm -hmm. up and are exposed and what Leeds should probably do as a team is play the first 70 on the front foot and whether they're ahead or they have a point, they should just try to hold on to that point or hold on to that lead from, from the 70th minute to the 90th minute. And they would be higher up in the league. Like, I feel like they should apply two styles of play, you know, in a game. The only way they should, like, go full 90 is if they're down and they need to get a goal. But, mm. like, if, if they played front foot football for the first 70, which is where most of their energy goes in most of the games and then played 20 minutes of, all right, we're going to hold on to this lead or keep this draw. And then mm. we'll keep the draw for the next 20 minutes and counter. And if we can hit them with a good counter. We can actually get the lead. Or if we're tired and we play disciplined defense and we counter, we could get the lead also, or at mm. least, defend and keep the point. But I think that's what should, based on seeing how Leeds play, I think that's what they should do. But nevertheless, they're a very dangerous team. And once in a, in a sooner or later, some goals are going to go in. And that's what happened against us. Like even the own goal is an indicative mm. of Leeds season. Like, like they were do that luck. They would do a ball to come off her defender that they were attacking to go mm. in the net because there's so many times their shots don't go in the net, but they create them, they're aggressive, and they play front foot football. So us going down two to them 
in the beginning of the game and especially in the beginning of the second half, I was like, yes, it hurt. It was a blow. But I was like, man, I've seen Leeds play and they're fast motherfuckers, man. They are like fast. They are like termites with speed, you know, on speed. They, you know, they'll get at you. So uh, we went down, but, you know, and you, you feel like the points are gone and we're at Old Trafford. But, you know, United, you know, we are under 10 Hag now. We don't give up. And even though we didn't have Ericsson or Casemiro, like the thought of fighting to the last minute has been like imprinted Mm. daily in the DNA of all the players. So you don't necessarily need two main characters who have helped us a lot, like Ericsson and Casemiro to be like, Mm. Hey, yo, wake up. Let's get back in this. Like there's people who willingly besides them want to do that. And then, so our team, the whole game tried to get back in it. And then we made the substitutions and, uh, you know, we move Rashford to the middle, put Palestri in who, we feel has some potential and took out Garnacho, took out Weghorst, and then the greatest substitute of the moment for us, like the most popular one, Sancho, where, mm-hmm. you know, everybody wants to see this guy comes back and the way Tan had handled yeah. it, handled his depression and physical state and yeah. in a very encouraging, nurturing manner, <clears throat> like made, made, our fans look at it that way too. And mm. Sancho came in and, you know, we got the two goals and got back in the game. And it's sad that we lost two points. But the last two positive moments of the game were ours, you know, like in the Rashford goal, which made it 2-1. And then the Sancho goal, I made it 2-2 and specifically the fact that the goal came from Sancho like gave us all a lift. So even though it didn't, we didn't win, it made the drop points hurt less because mm. of like we had the two last best moments of the game. So, And, and the drop points don't really mean a whole lot at this stage because... It's mm-hmm. not like, you know, we are kind of in the middle of the season. It's not like a huge momentum shifter. It's it's not something that you can't recover from. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the players who are, the teams who are actually chasing you guys down. I mean, they, they've had up and down games too. So, um, mm-hmm. so from a top four chase point of view, you, are, you haven't really lost any ground. Um, maybe if there were visions, if there were sights of, you know, actually getting to Arsenal. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of, you know, games like these don't really uh, help. But, you know, that, I think a lot of fans are realistic that, that that was probably a little bit of a long shot. But that, that's the funny part. Like, the people who are really hurt, <laughs> they secretly have put us in the title race. And now they're not saying it out loud. But anybody who's like dying on the inside for United, <laughs> dropping those two points, 
want us to be back in the title race. Like, I mean, it's, I mean you, you know, the thing is, I'm sure there's a lot of United fans looking at Arsenal like at the beginning of the season, what there was like, you know, the like it wasn't that Arsenal was a better team than uh, United, right? So they've gotten a whole bunch of things right. And uh, of course, you know, a few things have fallen for them. But United is playing well too uh, as, as a team this season. So why not? I think that would be, it, it's not like when City was, when City and Liverpool have been ahead, you kind of like give up. All right, fine. There's nothing <laughs> you can do. But I, I think, and, and that's natural, right? Like Arsenal under Arteta, they finished eighth, eighth, fifth. Uh, the last three seasons. So there's always a sense of, oh, maybe we can get at them, even though they've been playing brilliantly. They haven't really given any people much reasons to doubt them if you just go by performances and, you know, the results they've been getting. But end of the day, it's still Arsenal. It's still Mikel Arteta. I think unless they've mathematically won the league, people are still going to question them and people are still going to be like, ah, is it really real? So yeah. they just got to live with that. You know, every team were doubted before they actually won. Like even Liverpool and the club, which was a much better caliber of team, they had a lead that season and then they didn't. And then, so uh, until the season they actually did it, they were still being doubted as a team that is probably not going to go over the line. So you didn't expect them to kind of do it. You expected them to kind of do it more than Arsenal this year because correct, the exactly. season before they lost by a, the, the, yeah. the title by a point. And, yes. But they beat in the Champions Leagues right. those two years too. And I think they won a Champions League instead of the league. So you're like, next year, it's it, this shit could be theirs. Yeah. You know? No, that's Which what I'm saying. Like, like, they were definitely a far better team and definitely they take way more boxes. But even they had doubts. So I'm absolutely not surprised that there are fans, even Arsenal fans, looking at Arsenal like, is this really going to happen? Is this really a year? So. Awesome. Arsenal fans are... I don't think anybody should def- be offended. Say it again? I don't think anybody, uh, if you're an Arsenal fan, you shouldn't be offended if people are doubting you because, you know, deep down, right. you're doubting it yourself. So yeah, Exactly. Um, just just, just wait for it. it, might, it you're playing the best football in the league. There's no doubt about that. So... It, even I on the low was like, if we win this <laughs> game against Leeds... <laughs> Man, we could just we'll be right there, and I won't. And then that happens, the and then race. this happens, and then we have a game in hand. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I won't say anything about the title race. I'll just like <laughs> see if this thing happens just by happenstance, you know. <laughs> but uh, and even now, there's oh, wow. still that that if like Saka quiet... gets injured. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I really think we're we're having a good season. And there's things that we give Ten Hag credits for, but there's things we haven't given him credit for. And one mm-hmm. of the moments that made me really give him credit was, I guess, a game ago when Sancho, Rashford, and Marshall walked on the field together as subs. I was like, oh, we haven't been with, except for Rashford, we haven't been with these guys for most of the season. And somehow, We've been racking up points in a way where we expect to win those points when these guys aren't there anyway. And so he's created this 
this this team, yeah, yeah, we have this team has been winning without some of our key players a lot of yeah. games. Mm-hmm. And and nobody nobody's brought it up, not even the fans, because of what we've been grown to expect and what Tent Hog has like put out there. Like Pat Riley, when he was a successful coach for the Lakers and then he became a Knicks coach. Mm-hmm. I just remember when the Knicks would have injuries, there would be no excuses mm-hmm. after a loss or to expect the team to win without key players. And, and, and then any coach that was successful in the NBA, that mm-hmm. was always their vibe. Like, mm-hmm. we have no excuses. They're still players and people should still win. So, yeah. So, you know, Ten Hag, you know, has got us on that. So now we, we've learned to live without certain players. Now, how much do you know about the potential buyers of United so far? Not a lot because like every report I see is almost like people are being so cagey in actually you know, putting things out, like everything is like, oh, potential this, potential that. Like there's not a clear mm. picture of the field emerging yet, I feel. Right. But yeah, like, what, what have you heard? It's the same. And it's kind of weird because you're like, if Chelsea went for that much, mm. oh, there's got to be way more people trying to buy us. Yeah. And ours was a distress sale. So, yeah. So what? Ours was a distress sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they should have been able to get you way cheap because <laughs> that, that was a that was a buyer's market for yeah. Chelsea. Like we had to sell. So. You had to sell. And you had a certain time. Yeah. And you got way more than expected. So then for United, where they don't have to sell, mm-hmm. you're expecting all these bidders to come out of nowhere. Uh, and then the the money to be so much higher and i was like damn i didn't know there was that and there hasn't been as many people as i thought and i was like damn i didn't know there was only that many few poor rich people in this world <laughs> like we all that rich people there's like mm. you you took all this money from us and y'all can't use it to come out and bid for united like i'm slumming it what did you do with the money <laughs> That I think me I, to be I, I think one of the things that has changed is, although I agree that in fact that circumstances around the Chelsea sale also were pretty, uh, you know, there it helped negative factors, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it, it helped the sale, but also, uh, also as you're saying, like it made it a it made it a buyer's market more than the seller's market. You'd think, uh, but I think a few things that have changed is I think the global financial conditions have worsened in the last six to 12 months. Mm-hmm. So that's probably one reason why people just generally have a little less cash to go around. Um, people are being a little more cautious with investments. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, because this is something that was brought up by one of the prospective bidders that the whole London versus you know Manchester slash Liverpool thing, like a lot of these uh, like a, a lot of these overseas global, um, you know, high value individuals, they have a pad in London. You know, they have for them it is 
it's, it's <laughs> almost like a sad symbol to have to own to own something in London. It's probably not as much for Manchester or, or Liverpool. So I, I thought that was interesting. Like when somebody was talking about it. So, but here's the thing: at the end of the day, if the sale has to go through, you don't need um, uh, like the 400 initial bidders that apparently Chelsea had. You don't need mm-hmm. like 20 or 30 on the shortlist. You only mm-hmm. need about four or five to drive the price up a little bit of you know absolutely serious uh, consortiums and. I think that's that's definitely going to happen in this case. Yeah, at four hundred would make me feel really good, but uh, <laughs> but right now it's like some people from Qatar because mm. they like the way the World Cup went and yeah. they uh, want to keep that going. Uh, who are the people that own PSG? Is it Qatar? Yeah. So there's Qatar. like other people in Qatar, other rich people mm. who want to get together to buy so that there's not this conflict conflict, or this, of, interest, or yeah. conflict of interest between PSG yeah. being owned by the state of Qatar and these rich, mm. pe- rich other rich people. But I'm assuming these other rich people are related to... Yeah, there's definitely going to be... that's Because there's that's, a royal family, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, so who else would these people be? So they're trying to say, no, it's not the same people. Mm. So that's weird. So that was then one of the things in when Chelsea was being sold. Saudi, who had just recently... If you remember, like a few months before that, I bought Newcastle. Mm-hmm. So there was a bid from a group close to the family. They essentially owned the Saudi media broadcasting group, which was, you know, had a lot of investment from the same uh, portfolio fund that was invested in Newcastle. So that was something that, you know, was a little bit of a red flag. And I think that kind of hurt them in the actual bidding process because uh, I don't think Abramovich and all these guys wanted to go over another drama of, you know, having a million fingers pointed at you for mm-hmm. for, for, for essentially creating conflicts of interest. So um, I, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, you are definitely going to have interest from these individuals in the Middle East. That was definitely going to happen. Yeah, that was definitely going to happen. But I was thinking, like, in the beginning, people mentioned Apple. I haven't heard anything about Apple. But Apple mm-hmm. got Middle Eastern money without being mm-hmm. like a like a, like yeah. a oil, a country that depends on fossil fuels. So I did like that, that they had extra money, uh, like, that they could burn. And it would be great to pair them up marketing-wise with a a, I would be very surprised like if, if, if a big tech company, I can understand sponsoring, but actually owning a global sports team, I would be very surprised if, because all these companies are you know publicly listed. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it'd be very difficult to justify that to the shareholders. I think it would be, be very difficult to justify that to the shareholders especially in 2022 2023 now when like everybody big tech is on the edge with uh with layoffs and uh you know a lot of but this is like beachfront beach a good successful football team is like beachfront beachfront property it's the property that blocks out the other beachfront property from actually Mm. being able to be near the beach like this is prime this shit is in the water like like Man United with its fan base and the potential 
for marketing like it's mm. it's it's where yeah even for content would, generation i guess it it, mm-hmm. it it makes sense but i just feel it's so rare that i mean have you really seen this i i know this ex uh, microsoft ceo steve bomber he had owns the clippers and i and i just the clippers, was at the right? game yeah right so but again like he's he's doing it in his personal capacity as somebody with a lot of money he's not he's not it's not microsoft that bought the team right so right yeah maybe maybe a like high high level executive who has a lot of money oh, would would be interested so we got this guy right he he bid on chelsea jim ratcliffe jim ratcliffe so he yeah. he bid but i heard his personal wealth is 16 billion or something like that and then i don't want this poor rich person buying our team 16 billion is a lot he's way more than what our guy so, has like which guy? levels more like our todd bowley yeah but, but todd bowley didn't buy the team the consortium yeah, yeah. no 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 jim ratcliffe billion. jim ratcliffe definitely is going to raise a consortium too he's not going to buy it on his own right right he, he he's I, also I, the like, guy who's the principal sponsor of the mercedes f1 team his company team? essentially ineos mm-hmm. his company is right. the principal sponsor of um, the mercedes f1 team formula 1 team right right i'm i'm i don't think i'm impressed by that <laughs> i i, I I need uh I'm saying he has a track record in uh, sports potential. Right. And he has a team in France too. That which He has a team in France. He has a cycling team, a mm-hmm. uh, pro cycling team which is which is which apparently does really well. These are all from my cliff notes from the Chelsea bits. Right. Hilarious. <laughs> I know you just all you have to do is go back into that file <laughs> and it's just like just run yeah. it back. Yeah. Yeah. So And he's a fan. But, he's a Manchester United fan, right? So I think that's right. something Uh, I, I'm I'm kind of back into him mm. because I was worried that he didn't have enough money mm. like to like compete with these yeah. conglomerates but now that this Chelsea this Man City which we can go into the Man City now mm. fair play thing is yeah. and this war is about to rage for probably the next few years because that's how long all this litigation is going to probably take and whether yeah here's the good thing whether the FA wins or not mm. any other team that tries to cheat will know that they're not just going to be able to get away with cheat that they exactly. they're going to get and and that fear alone sometimes is enough to make people play the game right not everybody mm. there's going to still be the people that are going to try to get away with it but it's like it puts the rest of the league on notice so mm. which would put someone like Radcliffe on notice and hopefully he'd hire the right people to run the team where we could still get some of the best players to play for us mm. for b- without paying these overpriced prices like mm. like I like our team united now but I don't like one of the problems we didn't like about the 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 Glazers is like how they ran the place Yeah. And I want us to be run more financially. <laughs> Excuse me. I want us to be run more financially efficient and yeah. still 
win optimally. So it, I, I, that's why I like financial fair play and their yeah. what they're doing now to to get at Man City. I, I mean, the thing with United is I don't think any United fan can complain about the level of investment that the Glazers did, right? Like they they still complain. Could, the, yeah, but a United fan. <laughs> no, but but if you actually look at the numbers, you shouldn't be complaining because the investment has always been there. Like I think on the levels of Man City in the last ten years, the problem yeah. is it's not going to probably the right players. It's not going. The recruitment is not going hand in glove with the way the team must play, the manager must play, whatever, right? And these are like these are business decisions. That's not a that's not a problem money can solve. That's a problem. Like you need smart people at the helm. You need uh, you you look at the way Man City. Well, I know they threw a lot of money around, but just from a planning point of view, a year before they got Pep Guardiola, they had his guy from Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as, as the as the head of all the footballing operations, right? And they had a couple of more people associated with that. They started they started recruiting players. I think both Leroy Sane and Kevin De Bruyne, if I'm not wrong were hired in the window before Pep Guardiola actually came in the summer. Mm-hmm. But those were Pep Guardiola buys. Like these were, this was already happening in the works. So mm-hmm. they laid the foundations so well and so strong that you can actually, that money actually translates to doing better on the pitch. And you know, we've seen that with Chelsea. We've wasted a whole lot of money. Poor, That's been a poor big... Pelle, poor Pellegrini. He was like... <laughs> I, I don't want this Kevin De Bruyne. I don't want Leroy Sant. How come they're here? And I didn't want him. You, yeah. What's going on? Am I going to be here next season? Does and then he sees Kevin De Bruyne playing for two weeks. They're like, oh, you know what? I want to stay. I want to yeah. match this guy. Yeah. I got to go. And, and, and they're like, no, no, you out, you out, bro. <laughs> like I, just, I knew good. it. I knew this, these gifts weren't for me. Yeah. So I, I feel like when it comes to a new owner, that's the biggest challenge because at the end of the day almost all these you know big uh conglomerates and they have the money like it's more of making the right decisions and uh making the right decisions year after year after year and never losing sight of the ball you look at liverpool they were you know i think universally uh, uh, praised as having one of the best recruitment teams or always making sure you have the right players for the for the system but they took their eyes off the ball and look at them right now. Like their team looks like a team which is supposed to last five to six years has absolutely combusted prematurely. It they, did last five to six years, though. Not, not really. They lasted two or three yeah. years at their at the, at the peak. And especially a lot of these players like Fabinho. Nobody thought Fabinho would kind of be finished because you overworked them. You didn't actually get the right replacement at the right time. You didn't. They use. they had them, but they would never use them. Like they, they, yeah. they did so many games. Cater be on the bench. Uh, Oxel and Chamberlain be on the bench. Shakiri be on the bench. Yeah. And it, the 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 young kid, the two young kids, like they. That's that's a problem. Never, recruitment. They right? never like rotated. If, that's a problem with recruitment, right? Like if you if you actually trusted them, you'd use them, and that's what like Pep does. Pep is great at managing a big squad. A lot of these other player, other managers, they either don't know how to manage a big cross squad, or you see the best seasons are seasons where they have only have stuck to fourteen players. So, um, yeah, to come back to the larger point, I think both Liverpool and Manchester United right now 
they sh- they should be looking at their next owner from that lens like who has a good track record of doing well and um, uh, of course you want them to put in money in but sports. also yeah in sports and like making good decisions you're right but then the glazers probably want the most money for their return <laughs> so they're so just going to give it to the highest bidder they, they just probably give it to the highest bidder like <laughs> i feel like like no matter what i only know abramovich from football so he yeah. probably did a lot of dirty stuff out of football yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but just from in football and the way he not only ran chelsea mm-hmm. the, the the only thing that's more impressive about how abramovich ran chelsea was how he sold it <laughs> like that that is crazy <laughs> to be like make sure whoever buys this gets this has to invest mm-hmm. this amount over mm-hmm. a billion into facilities and mm-hmm. replenishing the team and like that's a love letter to the fans you know what i mean like, and that's also cuz he's he's a fan right, right. so imagine bravich right now he's probably sitting somewhere and he's as worried about what he tells you over the weekend as i am so uh mm-hmm. he he wants to make sure that his viewing experiences of Chelsea even this year next year or whatever is a good experience so yeah i've never I seen anybody see. i've never seen a former owner write a will <laughs> to their team after they die <laughs> that guarantees the team will thrive <laughs> after they die and what a will like that's yeah. that's a man that loves his team and so i can understand like you and any chelsea fan like still loving that guy just in football you know i don't love a lot of things that he did i actually got pretty i i think that change even from a very selfish chelsea oh, right? point of view i think it was a good change cuz i think he kind of fell asleep at the wheel like a lot of the good things that he used to do in the first part of his tenure he wasn't really doing so okay. um that that's where i keep on back the whole decision making thing like you can actually break and make break or make a football team or any sports team i'd imagine by just bad uh, decision making like we see that with everton on the other spectrum of the yeah. they, they put in a lot of money because but they have absolutely no clue what they're doing right and when you say united fans shouldn't complain about the investment that the glazers put in because they definitely invested mm-hmm. they they look at it from the lack of efficiency right exactly so that should definitely so they look at it they look at it like the everton fans they're just as right, angry right, as everton right, fans right, right. like everton fans would be angry this angry is this if you don't invest the money right your fans are going to be as angry as teams whose owners don't invest like you might as well not invest if you're going to invest right cuz your fans mm-hmm. are going to be pissed they're not going to mm-hmm. be like well you did do this they'll be like nah man you blew that money because then it's like they're poor and they're like you know what I would have did with that money so they even extra piss that you blew the money as opposed yeah. to not doing anything at all hmm. uh so what man do you city. think about this man city ffp are you happy number 1 i mean i'm happy to the extent that it's now an open secret like they, i mean i guess it was always an open secret we all knew that they were you know playing with the books in terms of uh, their sponsors were not their sponsors like massively tried to do this thing where they try to actually say outlandish things that like they're actually bigger than united or real madrid and 
like, you know, you, you got to be humble about who you are. Like when Abramovich came in and he dropped a whole lot of money, he knew what he was doing. And like everybody could see what he was doing, right? Like there was right. no like, oh, no, you know what? We're actually the biggest club in the world. And that's why we get to spend that much money. Right. We got to spend that much money at that point because you know, they ran the rules in football mm-hmm. so financially. So, um, yeah, I think. And this is not even an FFP thing, right? A lot of people think like what's happening in Man City has got something to do with FFP. But it's not that, that nobody's saying that they're spending more or less. This actually comes out to an even basic fundamental issue that Man City has, and which is why I think they're in a lot of trouble. That what's come out is essentially that their business model is fraud. At, at the basic core of how they're operating the football club, they know they can't get $100 million for sponsorship. So the owner actually funds Etihad, 80 million, and that's how the 20 million adds up to the 80 million and you get back into the business. So they're money laundering in in a very uh, obvious way. Mm -hmm. So, and and of course, to keep up with FFP and all of that, but the thing is, if the way Man City is structured right now, they haven't really built up their fan base or anything from uh, from from way back then. So it's not like they can tomorrow say, okay, you know what? We are not going to do, don't take any action on us. We are just not going to do any of this going forward. They can't even say that because the moment they say that, their current business crumbles because they don't so have it's, any it's a, revenue otherwise if, if, you, if you're not doping. It's a, it's a Ponzi scheme. It's a Ponzi scheme. And, with um, their own money, with the owner's own money. Exactly. And so they've had so many. So that's the most uh, egregious of those, right? Like what's happening with Etihad, like the whole Mancini thing. He had um, he had a salary, which was only, um, you know, a fraction of it was coming from actually the Man City Football Club. But a huge chunk of it was coming from... Uh, uh, from uh, this company in in Abu Dhabi for four days of work. So uh, who knows what sort of uh, contracts Pep Guardiola has? Like, um, mm-hmm. uh, like you remember when Guardiola actually had this? Is the guy who's been at Barcelona, beat at Bayern. He was probably the most expensive ma- football manager to hire. And mm-hmm. if your if your uh, football uh, if your club's finances can't support that. You're obviously getting interest from it else, and um, but but there's there's a lot of other stuff too. In the last year or so, people have actually found out Manchester City keeps popping up on their website new sponsors, and then people actually went up and looked up these sponsors. Essentially, their address is a post to PO box, which which generates zero money. So it's you know this is like <laughs> like every single. Uh, thing you can call about in you know, a financial uh, fraud is they're taking every box off. So, Damn, all, right. all right, Enron City, <laughs> all right, Crypto City, <laughs> Bernie Madoff, like, that's what I, uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, of course, they're gonna litigate, litigate this, and you know, it's gonna come down to I think first is a panel and uh. Uh, they're gonna say so. W- all this while, what they've uh, so when when they actually got off from the CAS with the UEFA thing, 
it was on two things right one was a technicality that hey all this money that you all this in the evidence that you got it was obtained through illegal means essentially it's saying like okay you caught me but you're not supposed to catch me right it's all a right? loophole it, yeah i had a gun in my car but it was an illegal search so yeah it was an illegal search and for that's more illegal the legal search is more illegal than me having an illegal gun yeah. so i'm off on a technicality with which you killed somebody <laughs> it's a murder yeah. weapon it's not just a gun yeah <laughs> and um also the fact that um uh so so there's so there's going to be a panel right and they're going to uh, and it's probably going to go into the court some uh, analysts have said it might take as many as like 2 to 4 years Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see like what stance the Premier League takes until then. Like, yeah, um, so let's see. I mean, and uh, you know, yeah, if there are City it, it, fans it, it, watching, at some point, I can like sympathize with them because they would essentially say, "Hey, why is it that we are only supposed to be in the bottom rung of the league?" Right? Like, if we have. Uh, um, a benefactor who's willing but to why would they money. say that well they would say that like you know what it, it's it's kind of the people sitting at the high table you don't want other people to but, join the table but but i would say hey you ever heard of this little place called brighton hole they're in six and <laughs> and they're spending money legally and mm-hmm. efficiently and you could do that and you could look at newcastle who has all the money in the world but hasn't really done any crazy spending and in one year they're fourth and so it can be done like you 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 just have to like just like the teams with money need to spend their money smartly the teams without money have to spend their money smartly but it, it like teams there are teams that show you this can be done the right way and you know this goes also into the super league what we're going to talk about like yeah. this is why i would never fuck with a super league because listen barcelona real madrid and i'm a big real madrid fan but they don't they they're getting better with money compared to barcelona and mm. and uh juventus but barcelona and real madrid don't really care about anybody else in la liga and they fleece that league i think they get the most of the money from all the revenues out that league and all they care about is staying at the top of that league so they don't care about this league so then i'm not going to join two teams that don't care about their league mm. in a league where they're not going to care about my team and all <laughs> the other teams like they're only forming this league so that they can have two la ligas that they're on top of and then draw all the money out of both the leagues. So that's all the Super League is. Like another league for Barcelona and and uh and Real Madrid to apply their trickle down theory of money and have all yeah, the money. They want money consolidated at the, at the top because for them. Yeah, for them. So here's the thing, right? Like after so many years you know we keep having this conversation about like the you know, premier league is the best league in the world and there are a lot of play pe- people who kind of disagree they say no la liga is also you know um and then there's obviously banter and slander with calls from mm-hmm. the farmers league stuff like that but essentially with this whole move of the european super league what real madrid barcelona and juventus at least have said is that 
they definitely consider their own individual leagues as farmer leagues because they have absolutely no respect for them. They have, mm-hmm. they are willing to throw them to their to their dogs because if you're adding, because their proposal is 14 minimum 14, by the way, minimum, minimum 14, 14 games games per in per team. So if you're playing minimum 14 games, you're obviously going to be because right now minimum is six games, right? You play six games, uh, three home, three away in the Champions League group stage. If you, that's a minimum that you play. If you're playing 14 minimum games, league games, either your league season, you're going to pull some trick to lessen the number of games from 38, uh, <laughs> 38 or that's going to be essentially the Carabao Cup. So Real Madrid is suddenly going to, uh, so you're going to have, by the way, you're going to have this as your weekend games now. You're mm-hmm. super league. Oh yeah, and you're gonna have the action. I mean, what if you if you're promising the moon to the to the to the TV broadcasters? Of course, they are not gonna be okay with with the Wednesday twelve o'clock uh, noon kickoff. You know, they mm-hmm. they are or like a, even a Wednesday uh, night kickoff. They're gonna mm-hmm. want prime time on the weekend, which is gonna mean that the the La Liga or the Serie or you know the Bundesliga or whatever is it has to be played over the midweek. And then guess what the manager is going to going to go. If Ancelotti has a choice to start Vinicius Junior on the weekend versus the versus La Liga, what's he going to pick? He's obviously mm-hmm. going to pick. And you have, you've also increased the workload on every player. So suddenly now you're going to have what all clubs nowadays do with the Carabao Cup. That's going to be just rotation players playing in the and then, that, and then and then the Premier League falls off. And, yeah, the prestige and, falls off. And then uh, it, it it weakens our league. Mm. They they make more money. It strengthens them, and they're at the top of the international club football pyramid yeah. because we were dumb enough to join them Genetic. and help them suck the money away from us. The, the only them. good thing is I don't think the Premier League clubs, even if they want now, can join. They can because they signed a charter, right? Right. Mm-hmm. S- uh, saying they won't join. So. I think that's a good thing. If they want, if the rest of Europe wants to start their own European Super League, because they're saying 60 to 80 teams. And that, I was like, wait, 60 to 80 teams in one league? How's that going to work? And then I read the fine print. It's going to be 60 to 80 teams divided into three divisions, which is essentially what the Champions League is right now. You have 32 teams in the Champions League, 32 in the Europa League, and 32 in the Conference League. So it's 96 teams across three divisions anyway. But, but Juventus, <laughs> Barcelona, and Real Madrid want to control that. First of all, I'm not doing anything with those teams. Juventus yeah. has had... Yeah, this is a team that's even, under that, active that, financial they, investigation. They just, yeah, they're, they're under investigation. They've just been docked by their own league 15 points. Now they're like 14. So this I'm, is like I'm a guy go in jail trying to start an IPO. Yeah, yeah it's hilarious. It's, it's yeah, and, and, and then... Goddamn Barcelona's pulling levers. They can't even afford to stay in their own league. So yeah, why am I... They've mortgaged their house. Yeah. So why am I, like, joining up? And you know what? I say all this and we make all these sense because you're making a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to see teams, like, go against this sense <laughs> and join these people. It's like, like, these teams are in trouble. And... They're not good with money and they have a history of being like Barcelona and Real Madrid had their own Super League when they had Messi and Ronaldo. And now they don't have Messi and Ronaldo 
the Super League is their new version of having Messi and Ronaldo. But, but, and but they blew all understand. the money. They blew all the money from having Messi and Ronaldo. And now they, they blow all this money. I, I would never trust them. But but I still don't understand what their problem is. Like they they just it's not like like they're saying, right? Like the the Premier League has become too powerful and we can't compete with them. Really? Real Madrid and Barcelona, if they want to go in for a player, they can't compete with the best teams in the Premier League. Of course they can. We've last summer, we were a laughing stock losing every player mm-hmm. to Barcelona. That was just literally six, seven months ago. Right. We we lost two of our best uh, players, our best defenders, Rudiger Christensen, on 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 free contracts to these players just on the basis of you know they want to play for Real Madrid Barcelona, so mm-hmm. they can do. They, this is just they want even more. They even want to more. go to the go to they even now their revenues are higher than almost every Premier League clubs. So right. what are they really complaining about? They just want more money and they're going to just want more. still get in the financial trouble when they get more money. Uh, they're not good with money. Like, forget and and they're, they're trying to do this really sneaky thing saying that, hey, you know what? UEFA is a bad guy, right? You guys all agree that UEFA is a bad guy, right? So if you're going against UEFA, you should be in our box, right? Right. Which, the, the, which makes no sense because one of the few things that UEFA does good is mm-hmm. the way they conduct and organize and distribute the revenue from the Champions League. UFR from Champions League has been able to build up a really nice marketable product over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Prestige-wise, it's on the top. Everybody knows that. Um, it never misses. Like last, You look at the last couple of seasons, UFR knockout rounds are always the best games of the, mm-hmm. of the club season. There's so much drama. There's so many storylines. And the fact that we get to play some of these teams only once in a while actually kind of enhances the product. You don't want to be playing. Do you really want 14 El Clasicos in the same season? El Clasico is going to be like, you know, a, 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 a practice game between the, the, the team itself. Then it becomes like, that's why they only have Christmas once a year. You look forward to it. You know what I mean? And exactly. you, you, you get fully into it for the time that it is. And that's what makes it special. There's different types of special events all year that have their own vibe and you get into those. But none of those events, I I would love for Christmas to be every day, but I'd get tired of it. Like if models just walked in here naked every day, (laughs) I'm gonna get tired of these naked models. Is walking around here every day. Like I, I like my naked models once a month. Like I'd be like, oh snap, I'm, this is dope. Yeah. It's been a month. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah you lose like, the value if you see the same thing over and over again. That's yeah. why when you, you when you enter a strip club, it's like ten minutes, and then it's you know it's mm-hmm. it's oh yeah, nothing nothing special yeah. anymore. Yeah, yeah. You don't go to a strip club every day. <laughs> you know, it's it's. It's before you get married or a birthday or, or Valentine's Day, depending on, you know, <laughs> after divorce. Uh, uh, Once you come back you know, from war. You can come back from you know, war. If you're in the military. Or, or you're about to go to war. <laughs> you know what I mean? So these are special occasions. Yeah. Uh, I think. And also, I think even from, I think it's really important to point out because a lot of people feel like, the pitch here is that UEFA gets a lot of money, but keeps it to themselves. 
That is absolutely not true. That is factually not correct. UFR distributes. You can go up. Uh, you can go and read the financial documents. UFR distributes ninety three point five percent of their overall revenue from UFR competitions back to individual clubs. Mm-hmm. The rest of the money is either kept for logistical and administrative expenses, or for promote for hosting some of the their other uh, events like the Nations League. The you know which doesn't make a lot of money on its own. Mm-hmm. So what these clubs are saying is not that they're gonna get more money uh, overall. It's just that they're gonna get a lot more of the pie individually. So yes. instead of the ninety three point five percentage being gradually distributed among all the clubs that do well, you want a huge chunk of it dedicated to these top seven or eight clubs or these ten clubs. And of right. course, that means more more revenue. And we already went over the fact that they're promising even more games, which is essentially going to dilute your own league season. And you mm-hmm. know, I mean, I definitely don't want that. I can't imagine. I would actually be really interested in seeing what Real Madrid and Barcelona have fans have to say about this, because are they really yeah. thinking it through? I think they want what's best for their team, so they're like, "Yeah, why not?" Like, I've never really. I, I'll ask around too. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to get that person. It'd be interesting. Like maybe we should try to get somebody on to see how they feel. Like somebody with one of those cards, <laughs> those those what are those real Madrid oh, cards? I know what you're talking about. The, Can't remember the name right now. The socios, a card carrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The card that's what that's what that's what Barca yeah, yeah, yeah. socios or Socia's that Barca. might be for real Madrid. Yeah, mm. but those card carrying, you know, members. Because I, I met a guy once. He he like he. He had a Real Madrid card. He was he was up there, but yeah. But I guess that's that's it for today. Like, right quick, this weekend you, I mentioned it in the beginning. You play West Ham. It's one of the biggest mini games of the weekend. Uh, does Potter have to win this? I think he has to start winning at some point. <laughs> I, I understand that he's been given a lot of rope from the ma- from the owners, but mm-hmm. you know he shouldn't use all of it to hang him hang himself. Like <laughs> start doing something with it. That's hilarious. So, yeah, it'll it's be interesting. West, it's, it's West Ham, though. It's not. A, it's West Ham, but Jao Felix. It's a derby. Uh, Jao Felix suspension is over. Okay. Enzo Fernandez has had another week to recover from. Uh, you know, just train with the team. Uh, Mudrik potentially is... He had a cold last game, which is weird. Um, mm-hmm. But he's probably he's probably fine now. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, what sort of team we play, uh, we put out and how we play. This is a big lab rat experiment that's happening at Chelsea. So And fans, we're just like eager to see it, uh, see it happen in real time. Yeah, let's see how Enzo fares against the player you probably will never buy now, ex-Chelsea guy, Declan uh, Rice. Declan Rice. Like they're playing the same yeah. position, but you mm. did, now that you got Enzo, which is actually you got him cheaper than Declan actually costs. So and he's younger or around say, a few years younger. So yeah. Yeah, considering how much Declan was costing mm. and Enzo's first performance and what he's done in the World Cup. And for his Portuguese team, but really that that was a very impressive performance that he put in. 
in his first game. Mm-hmm. Who did you all play against? Fulham. Fulham. So, so uh, yeah. So yeah. Let's see. Let's see if he can keep this up. Now, that's an interesting battle to check out. United. We got Leeds again. Now we know what Leeds is about. So hopefully. Oh, you got know. Leeds back to back. Yeah, back to back, bro. That's, that's never easy. Yeah. And now you're Leeds. playing them away. Away, away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so now we got to like, you know, no Casemiro again, no Ericsson, mm. Fred, Sabita, who's like, we just threw him in the pot, like raw, not even ripe. He just, mm. you know, he's got to like learn how to deal with that. But let's see, you know, we, we should be able to do something against them, but I hope and get all three points. So I can still be rooting for us to win the title on mm. the low. Uh, I just want to plug one thing. Follow me on Instagram at Ian Edwards Comic and hit the link in the bio. My link tree is there. It'll tell you when all my shows are. This weekend, I'm going to be Saturday night, February 11th at the Hereafter in Seattle, 7 p.m. show and 9 p.m. shows. So come check me out there. You got anything you want to plug before we bounce? Now follow Somebody me at uh, at Sawyer's Lawyer, and uh, you know we are talking about it just before coming on. If uh, you know if people who are watching have any ideas for anything they want us to focus on, any segments or anything, you know, always good to uh, get some feedback. All right, cool. Yeah, and and I see all the comments on the YouTube, and uh, thank people for like like hitting us up, and you know putting their their sense in and uh you know and also yeah we got it when lee lee couldn't make it today but i guess on sunday we'll do the 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 fantasy league to see where everybody's Mm. at in the fantasy league so keep playing (laughs) y'all all right right. thank you all for listening be good stay safe See you, or you can hear us on the next joint one. You hear that dog? Yeah, do you get a dog?